spoke about loving God and love people and what that looks like and, um, and how that is meant to work out and have its way in us as church. Um, and we started on Wednesday with our new series that Andrew spoke to us about, about This Is Church, and just for us as Josh Jane, and those who are part of Josh Jane, for us to make sure that we are, that we are aligned with the things that God has called us to do as a church and as a people. And that for all of us, we can drift quite quickly. And we, again, on Wednesday, we heard, I mean, it was, there was, Everyone was quiet in the room on Wednesday after the video stopped because it's like, whoa, that was, we can't, we can't, uh, there's nothing to argue there. It's like, you know, I've got to repent and I've got to change. And the heart of all of this is for the church of God to come into the beauty that God has intended for us as a church. And it's not just for us as HMIAM or us as Joshin. No, the church universal. Because we are part of the greater body of Christ also. And some say they are church, but they will find out they are not. And it's exactly for that reason why even here we're saying, like, we need to make sure that we are coming back to what God's intention was for church and for His people. Amen? And um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for what that's going to do. I almost call him Ricardo. <laughs> he just looks so Latin. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to get that picture out of my mind now. Um, Enrico spoke about uh, on Monday evening, we're going to have a catch-up time. And I, I really want really to encourage us um, it's so easy to just take these videos and watch them out on your own. I do think that if you go and watch them on your own, thinking, and it, you're probably not going to get the conviction that you need to get. <laughs> um, it's meant for us to be together and to work these things out together. And that's the heart. When you hear the video and what Andrew says in that first video, it's difficult to, to actually go, I can do church by myself. Amen. And so I want to encourage us that if you've missed the videos, come. If you want to watch it the second time, come. Because <laughs> um, we want to spend time together as a people, and we want to be able to work these things out together and open up our lives because God brings conviction through these things. And when God brings conviction, like we need to, in a sense, be able to express, like, sure, God has convicted me. But then as we express it, we've got our brothers and our sisters that are sitting next to you and walking with you to help you and encourage you towards those very convictions. Amen? Scripture tells us that when someone walks and they fall, if they are alone, there's no one to help them get up. And so for us, the encouragement is to walk together. Because Scripture goes on to say that the threefold cord, no one can break that. It's not easily broken. And so we watch these things and we do these things because we want to move together. And so I want to encourage you, come, if you haven't gotten to it, come and watch um, with us. Because I really believe that God is wanting to work into us what this church needs to look like. Amen. Cool. So this morning, um, my preach is going to be, the title of my preach is The Good Fight. Um, I am a person that likes fighting. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. 
I did um, just say it. Uh, I've always been wrestling, and like I, I like that um, we were speaking about it, uh, I think yesterday when we were watching the rugby and we were talking about the scrum, and one of the ladies said, like, I don't know how guys do it, this whole sweaty thing, and they just all like, what does it smell like, you know? Um, and really, honestly, never thought of what it smells like. It's just, you know, it's nice to be men and sweaty and rah, together. It's like, we, I, I love that. I'm sorry, but um, it's how God made me um, and most of us men. Um, where was I going with that? The good fight, the good fight. And so it's always been something in my life that, that, I, that I enjoy. I enjoy a couple of things. But in our, in our walk with God, do you know that we are in a fight? Are you aware that as we're sitting right here right now, that there's a fierce battle that has been going on for quite a bit of time? And we might feel a sense of peace and even want peace in our lives. But I believe the peace that comes from God is a peace that goes beyond understanding and beyond the situation. And it's a peace that is, in a sense, not yet, but will be, and therefore it is. Did you get that? <laughs> it's a peace that is not yet, but it will be, and therefore it is. It's a by faith peace. And so even though I'm fighting the battle, and I'm in the battle, I'm in the war, there's a sense of peace in my heart because I know the victor has already won. Amen? But it's so often that I find in my own life and in speaking to people that we tend to forget that we are in a fight. We want the president to be Christian. We want the parliament to be Christian, you want the banker to be Christian, you want your boss to be Christian, so that everybody can live in peace, and we think that when everybody's Christian, everybody's just going to share with one another their money, and, their, and we're all just going to be kumbaya, and life on earth is going to be like heaven. Amen? That's what we're thinking, eh? Would you agree with me, or would you disagree with me? That's what we want. It's not what we're going to get. It's not what we're going to get in this life. Now, in this life, we're fighting a fight. And this fight is not just, uh, it, it shows itself in the natural, but it's actually, it's a fight that is being fought in the spiritual, in the heavenlies. And God has called each and every one of us sitting here to be part of that fight. Whether you want to or not. If you say that Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, you are in the fight. Whether your gun is loaded or not, that's a different story. But you're in the fight. And this morning, I want to speak to us about that good fight. Because I believe that God is calling us into a place. There's this, this thing, and I mean, you will hear it in sports movies and all kinds of like motivational things, is that a good offense is the best defense. So when I was wrestling, um, and it's just you and another person, the moment I start defending, just defending myself, I put myself in a passive position. 
And when I'm in a passive position, what happens is, is I'm opening actually myself up for the guy that I'm wrestling against to think about how to attack me. And it means that he's actually ahead of me because he's always setting the, the playing field. Do you, you catch what I'm saying? But in a place of where I'm attacking, I get to set where the game is going. We've been watching a whole lot of rugby, and you can see it. <laughs> last night, um, last night uh, uh, the French, no, not the French, the Eng- England squad, um, the guy that was kicking, he um, brought out the old Johnny Wilkinson trick, and he started kicking um, like drop goals the whole time. And completely, they obliterated Argentina. And you could see that the Argentina, which I would say my money was, uh, I didn't bet, but (laughs) do you hear what I'm saying? (laughs) I was voting for Argentina, let me say it like that. Like, they all of a sudden were thrown off their game completely. And it started with once a guy dropping, doing a kick kick drop, and then the second time, and by the third time, it's just whenever they were close enough, the guy would just kick. And man, these Argentinians didn't know what hit them. And then a funny thing happened. The Argentinians, I said it, we were talking, I said, these guys must just now not start kicking also for drop goal now. And what happens? The Argentinians follow suit and they come close to and they try and do a drop kick and it fails. But what happened was because the team that's attacking the whole time sets the game, all of a sudden the opponent comes and just follows the game that the team of attacking is setting. And they failed at it. Offense is the best defense. And God is calling me and you to actually be on the offense. And he's saying, don't wait for the battle to come to, to, come to you. You fight. And God has given us keys and things. And I believe this morning we're going to come into it on how to fight this good fight. Amen. So, just a, a little bit of context. We're going to read out of 1 Timothy and the book of 1 Timothy, man, I want to say to you, if you are th- going through a couple of scriptures and in your personal time, but even just reading scripture outside of your personal time, a good book to read in this moment, in this where we are right now, is a book like 1 Timothy, okay? It was written to the church, and Paul is speaking to Timothy And Paul planted the church in Ephesus, and as he planted the church in Ephesus, he's speaking to Timothy that stayed behind to now build the church. And he's speaking to Timothy about what a healthy church looks like, what is the leadership structure, how people need to pray for one another, how people need to care for one another, how the gospel is for everyone. And then he starts speaking about false teachers about what a false teacher does and the teaching of a false teacher, how it leads people astray from the gospel and from the plan of God. And so when you look at 1 Timothy and you look at where we are today with what we're dealing with, even with this church, like we are being 
set back and made sure that we are in line with what God's heart for us is as a church and that we are following the right course of what God has for us. And so when you look at that, you look at 1 Timothy and you go like, whoa, it's just like we are them and like we, we are here. And so I want to encourage you in this time to get into 1 Timothy and just allow God, and I'm not saying you've got to go study it, but just spend some time reading it. And I believe that for me and for you, you will find keys into how to live today and even interpret what God is busy doing in us today. And that's always helpful for all of us. Amen. So here is, here we're going to start here in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 to 12, up to 22. Okay, so it's going to be a bit of a read. So stick with me. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who will give to all things, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who is in his testimony before Pontius Pilate, Pilate oh, my words, brother, made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed, who is the blessed and only sovereign, and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion, Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved, swerved from the faith. Uh, for, by some, for, for by it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you, God, that your word comes and it breaks open um, the condition of our heart, God, and it gives us hope to hold on to how your gospel comes and change our lives and change the way we live so that we can find life and life in abundance in following your way, God. And so I pray this morning that as we dig into your word, God, I pray that you will come and that you will, again, God, align us with your spirit and align us with where your heart is at, God. And I pray that even amongst us here today, God, that for each and every one of us here, that we will be, um, again, for, that we will fall in love, Jesus, with who you are and with what you've done. 
and that you will draw each and every one of us to your heart in this morning and in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a good offense is the best defense. When we take a look at this scripture, Paul starts and he speaks about do not have these things in your life. And the things that he talks about is actually, he addresses it a little bit later. Um, even in this, in this very scripture, he talks about the things of the world, the things like knowledge and a desire to be rich, a desire to, to have everything and desire to be seen by people. And where he comes, he says, don't have these things because false teaching tends to lead to those things. And he, um, he says false, false teaching is one of those things. It, false teaching throughout, it will see that people, that it produces within people dissension. It produces within people, um, let me just get to my notes here. Um, it puts a focus on the wrong things in doctrine. Like that people in the people in Timothy would then reason, but man, it's better not to get married. Where God say it's good to be married. It it produces in us um, the wrong direction in our lives. Where even in the church in Ephesus, then people would go and they would aim their lives to make money, to live healthily, to pursue a certain amount of health. And I mean, for us sitting here today, those things are real. It's a real battles in our hearts, what it looks like to look healthy and what a healthy life looks like. And sometimes when you just look a little bit on Facebook or a little bit on YouTube, a healthy life is someone that is financially free, that is exercising, that's eating no sugar, that is not eating meat. You go like, people make it all these things, and that's actually not God's heart. No, a healthy person is someone that is submitted under the power of Jesus Christ, that follows his word and lives his word out in and amongst the saints of God in the order that God has put in place, where God in this book has put in church leadership. It's like elders, deacons, and the saints, and all these things working together eventually comes to the place of where God comes and reveals His kingdom to the world. That is a healthy life. These other things are actually things that take our attention away from what really we should be living. And we see here Jesus, Ach Paul, comes to, to Timothy and he says, don't let these, these things be in your life. And then he comes with the offense. And he says, don't wait for life to happen. Like there's that statement, life happens. Amen? We, we all have seen the t-shirts and the magnets. People think life happens. And so when things go about in life, I just respond to how the things go in life. No, 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 no. That's not God's heart for us. God, the one true living God, creator of everything, is on my side and on your side. Do you know that? He's on our side, and he's saying, go and be. I've empowered you. I've given you grace. I've given you my spirit. Go and be. There is nothing passive about God. <laughs> and so we see Paul here. He comes, and he says this. Pursue righteousness. Pursue righteousness. Not passive. It's on the offense. See, if I pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, 
anything that wants to keep me from being walking a righteous life, anything that wants to keep me from walking a godly life, I'm going to put those things off. I'm going to cut them away. I'm going to throw them away because my goal is not just to be and to sit and to wait. No, my goal is I see the godliness that God has made available. My goal is I see the righteousness that God has called me to walk in. And so therefore, I'm walking towards that. There's nothing on the defense here. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. When you read that, you go offensive. Offensive strategy. Offensive strategy. It's not defensive. But yet in life, we tend to sit and wait. <laughs> And then things happen to us and people speak to us and maybe say the wrong thing. And then we respond to what has happened. And that response oftentimes comes from the flesh. See, if we sow into the flesh, we will reap the flesh. Sow into the spirit. How do we sow into the spirit? Pursue godliness. Pursue gentleness. Pursue love. The things of the Spirit will come from us. And so what I'm trying to get to here in us is that in our process of just sitting down, we tend to forget that there's a battle. And that battle that we are fighting is not a battle of flesh and blood. No, it's powers and principalities. And so when we deal with one another, if me and Enrico and Ricardo is all is all like pursuing love together. There's a big possibility that we are going to bump here and there. But because I'm pursuing love and he's pursuing love, when we even bump into one another and hurt one another, the thing that's going to come out is not, now you're my enemy. No, no, no. It's I'm going to still pursue love even though he has maybe hurt me. Do we hear that? And the moment that we wait and we hold back, then the love pursuit or the pursuit is not love, then I'm going to go, whoa, Enrico, what's wrong with you? Martin, why do you want people to cut my hair off? I love my hair. What's wrong with you? See, and in that, what we end up doing is we end up forgetting that we're in a battle. And the battle is not me and my brother. The battle is we have an enemy. And that enemy is set out for you to trip up. It's set out for you to think that you're doing the good thing, but actually be completely irrelevant, unsuccessful, ineffective, and just be actually whatever you've done for it to count as nothing. That is his heart towards you. To think that if you follow Jesus, that you are not in a battle would be foolish. Jesus said to us, because of how they treated me, how much more would they treat you in a bad way because you follow me? 
And I know we want to, we claim that scripture that when you, in a sense, didn't do your work and your boss comes in hard on you, you go, yeah, the world is against me, you know, because I follow Jesus. No, that's not persecution. That's you that were lazy and didn't do what you were meant to do. We find these scriptures to actually count something in the moments where we actually have been in the wrong and now all of a sudden people are against me. What Jesus is talking about there is not people, it's powers and principalities. Powers and principalities that want to get you to not follow Jesus, do not give him your life, do not follow his way, do not live in a godly way, do not be a testimony of Jesus and his salvation. So I quickly want to show you something here. In Genesis 3 verse 8, or 3, we see where Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, and Jesus give, or God has given them all Rome of the garden and the animals, and, but then he points us, we know this, he points out to them the two trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in the tree of knowledge and good and evil, God says, of this tree you shall not eat. And so Adam and Eve, in the cool of the day, enjoying Garden of Eden, birds chirping, don't know if there was unicorns or anything there, maybe. Um, but in the garden, the enemy comes like a, like a serpent, it says. And it calls Eve, and it's like, And Eve walks. And I think for us, like I was thinking about this, maybe too much. Um, but it probably wasn't a strange thing for Eve to be talking to the snake. Because there was, like they had the understanding with the animals. I mean, God first said to Adam, go and look at the animals and see if you find someone that is suitable. And so he went and he saw there was no one suitable, okay? Praise God. <laughs> so there was something of a, of a relationship that they would have had with animals that looks different to what it looked like today. Some people are still in the Garden of Eden with their dog being their child and their cat being their... Those are old things. Get away from it. Anyway, just leaving it there. Take it, don't take it. <laughs> that's harsh I'm just joking but so Eve was speaking to the serpent and the serpent tells her this he says to her did God really say did God really say you can't eat of this tree see he actually just wants you to not be like him and in that moment having perfect connection with God Eve goes, hmm, maybe, eh? So she starts, and Adam, and eventually they eat of the tree. And the moment they eat of the tree, it's so beautiful. Genesis 3 verse 8, they eat of the fruit, and then um, we, I catch up here in Genesis 3 verse 8. And just hear how beautiful this is. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God, walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. Just stop there. It's like you're walking around and they can hear God approaching. 
Like, that's how close God was with him. Like, I never read that. And when I read that, I was like, oh, Lord, we always look so negative to this piece of scripture sometimes. But man, that's God's heart for me and for you. Is to hear him coming, to hear him walking towards us in the cool of the day. When I read this, I was like, God, I want this. I want to hear you like that. Anyway, let's go on, because this is not the point. It's just, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. You're hearing God coming, and what happens? You run away from God. Man. And it all started just with that one question. Did God really say and their hearts were so far removed in that moment from God. They were so aware of their sin and their shame. And it's like it just overcame them. And then in verse 11 we pick up and he said, and this is God speaking. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. That response, <laughs> do you know how many times we still respond like that to one another? Something happens. It's not my fault. It's your fault. You did it. No, he did it. You're like... See, Adam in that moment didn't realize the battle started. The moment he disobeyed God, he entered into a place where he started a battle. And then the wife, Eve, actually had a very good response to God <laughs> in retrospect. Then the Lord said, God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so she still blamed the devil. The devil made me do it. But she came out with the truth, actually. <laughs> and then God brought the judgment. We're gonna, I want to show you another picture, and I'll tie it up just now. Matthew 4, verse 8. We see Jesus. He comes out of a 40-day fast in the wilderness, and he's hungry and like he's getting ready actually for going into his ministry. And the devil comes to him in the place of his, of his fast. The devil comes to him and says to him again, well, sorry, I'm not picking up a little bit later. The devil comes to him and says to him, Jesus, man, you, you must be hungry. Like Jesus was sweating blood. And like you, you must be hungry. You have the power. You're the son of man. You have the power to actually change the rock into bread. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, man will not just live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil comes, takes Jesus to another place. Takes Jesus to the top of uh, a temple in Jerusalem. And it's actually thought that this temple was quite high. It's something like, I mean, it's something like 100 meters or 91 meters high, where he put him at the top and to the ground. And he says to Jesus, actually, why don't you jump off? 
Why don't you jump off this? And then when you jump off, all the angels will kind of like catch you. And then everybody will know that you are the son of man. That you are like this amazing. And you will have a great following. You'll be famous. And Jesus again rebukes him. Turns away. And then he comes here in verse 8. He says again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And said to him, all these I give to you. If you fall down and worship me, then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. What I want to show you here is that the enemy wanted to do everything to get Adam and Eve out of what the place that God had for them. He wanted to do everything to get Jesus himself to offer up his calling, to offer up his place, to offer up the things that's already been promised to him. How much more do you think that the enemy is not out to get you? See, the enemy is just as much against you as what he is against Jesus. And we tend to actually fall to the things of the enemy so easily, just like Adam and just like Eve. Because we tend to sit and we're passive. And actually God's church is meant to be a force, a violent force that take it. And this morning, I want to get us to that place. In some senses, church, I want to see that we are a people that are frothing at the mouth for the things of God. That we don't just sit and wait for the world to happen and wait for Jesus to come back. Because that's not what he asked us to do. He didn't say, cool, 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 accept me and then sit and wait, I'm coming back. No. He said, go. Go and make disciples. There's nothing passive about going. There's nothing passive about making. Like, it's something that is... It's a perpetual energy that's moving forward. And God calls me and you into that same place. But oftentimes we find ourselves in this place of where we actually, we just want a good life. We actually forget that it's a good fight. And the good life is what we find in Jesus. So now, coming back in a sense, and if you weren't here last week, that's okay. But I want to come back to last week where I mentioned 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, love endures all things. 
offensive. That's the church on the offense. That is an individual, it's a me, it's a you, that is on the offense. It's fighting the good fight of faith. It's fighting for godliness in my life. It's fighting to pursue righteousness in my life. What does that look like? It means that I bring myself to God and say, Lord, would you lead me? Lord, would you show me? See, God didn't call us to a set of rules and regulations. He called us to relationship with Him. And relationship with Him means every day I'm walking with Him. That's what that pursuing righteousness is like. Lord, everywhere I go, I want to be like Adam and Eve that was kind of hearing you coming. And as I hear you coming in the cool of the day, God, I'm running towards you. I'm looking for places in my workplace. God, where do I see you? God, where is there someone that's hurting? Because God, I, I, I've got love in my heart, God. And you've placed it there and said, I want to love. If I'm just going to give over to what's inside of me, I'm never going to pursue love. Ed and myself was, um, we went on Friday evening um, and had some date night, um, just me and her. And we're both very indecisive um, <laughs> about where to go and what to do. And eventually got to a place and parked the, parked the car and have a good evening at the restaurant and then go back home. And yesterday I'm driving. I haven't really gone anywhere else, but driving um, yesterday and it was raining, and I put my wipers on. And as I put my wipers on, I see that someone stole my wiper blade. <laughs> and in that moment, I did not pursue love. It happened to me. <laughs> but the reality is, that's a small thing, but it happens in big things consistently in all of our lives. And I was like, oh, Lord, I'm so, actually, I, I said this morning, Lord, I'm so sorry, because this morning I got into my car, and last night when I got home, I couldn't wash my window, so I had to go find something to wash my window. And as I drove out, and it's early morning, and it's like a little bit cold, so the dew comes in, I see on my, my windscreen all the, the wipes and the streaks, because I don't have a wiper blade now. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, Lord, I got so miffed up about this person stealing my, my blade. Man, Lord, help me. Honestly, it's a wiper blade. I said, Lord, help me. If I can get so miffed out about a wiper blade, how many other things are there in my life that I'm actually not pursuing love, not pursuing godliness, not pursuing relationship, not pursuing unity, that I'm just reacting to it? When we read Scripture, when you read the New Testament, you will see there's more mention given to pursuing unity than what there is any Scripture speaking about how much God loves us. 
on Wednesday, we heard with the This Is Church. We heard about what church actually looks like. I've heard so many times people going like, the church didn't do this for me. The church didn't love me here, gave that to me, cared about me here. And then you listen to Wednesday and you realize, I actually can't expect the church to do anything for me. Jesus has done everything for me, and therefore I need to be the church to the church. Like I was convicted. I remember someone sitting there going like, hey, I realize I've been wrong. Like, praise God. <laughs> and so for us, this morning, I want to remind us, we're in a good fight. And in this fight, God has given us the Holy Spirit to lead us every step of the way. He's given us a relationship with Him to walk with us, to encourage us, to build us up that as we go along, that we know that we're not alone. And then He's placed people around us to help us, to encourage us, so that when we fall, that they're there to help pick us up. Let's pray. So as our eyes are closed, I want to say this, that over each and every one of our lives, there's a battle that's warring in the heavens. And there's an enemy that wants you to believe that God doesn't love you, that you're not good enough for God. That in a sense, you only, always need to be coming begging to God. But Jesus came, gave himself in a place where me and you were still sinners, where we were weak, where we had nothing to contribute. And in that place, he gave himself fully. He gave all of his love, all of his life, so that me and you can be with God. Not based on what we're able to do or what we have done previously in our lives or what we haven't done, but based on His sacrifice and His sacrifice alone. So this good fight, you cannot fight it if you are not in Jesus. If you are not in Jesus, you will suffer the violence of this fight that's going on. And our God is good. And he loves us. And he cares for us. But the enemy does not care for you. You are collateral damage. And right now in this moment, he doesn't want you to ever even think that God cares for you. But I want to say to you here this morning, God has called you to be strong and to be fierce in his kingdom. Each and every one of us. And he's given his spirit so that we can walk with him. And actually take the fight to the enemy. So this morning, I want to give an opportunity that if you're sitting here, and you know that I don't know Jesus. I'm actually...